Welcome to the FDN Thrive Podcast. We interview leaders in the functional health space who bring you the most up-to-date, cutting-edge information for people who have tried it all for their health issues. We hope you enjoy the show. If health issues go unaddressed, mold especially, if you don't treat the mold, the underlying root cause, mold's just going to colonize and get worse. So you can take all the Miralax in the world. You can take all of the prescription. Name your favorite prescription medication for IBS, and it's not going to take away the mold. What's going on, folks, and welcome back to another episode of the FDN Thrive Podcast. My name is Evan Transu, a.k.a. Health Coach Ev, and I will be your host for today's show. Now, we'll be talking all about environmental toxins and a little bit of mold with Stephanie Center. Now, she was born and raised in a quiet and charming Chicago suburb. Since her youth, she's always been intrigued by health and wellness. And in college, she actually majored, uh, majored excuse me, in kinesiology, and she also fell deeply in love with bioenergetics, which is what happens to the body on a cellular level when it's moving, and exercise psychology. In June of 2018, she got really sick, though. She sought out specialist after specialist for about a year and a half, and no one was able to help her, and her illness continued to get worse. She began to realize how broken our medical system really is. Now, we want to pause for just a second because she wants to be clear about something here, and this is a statement from her herself. She says, and I quote, I am a medical professional, and it took me being sick to recognize that the medical community does not, by training, treat root causes. The medical community issues medications to manage symptoms, end quote. Steph became desperate. She did her own research and educated herself on lab values and differential diagnoses, and this journey of research led her to functional medicine. Now, she did end up getting these things under control, which is what we'll talk about today, but this is not something anyone should have to do, especially someone in the medical space. Why should they have to be doing their own research in extensive amounts? Why should they be having to go elsewhere other than the system that they were taught to get well? And if that system's not going to teach this kind of stuff for the chronic side of things, that is actually fine, but let's recognize the system that does, which is the true functional model. So we'll be talking about that model today and how Steph actually got her health under control. Without further ado, let's get to the interview. All right. Hey, Stephanie, thanks so much for being here with us tonight. Thanks for letting me be a part of this. I'm so excited. Yeah, I'm excited to talk to you for sure. Um, I know we're going to be talking some environmental toxins today, which is always, I have plenty to learn with that. It is, you know, you could study this stuff for years and I actively study pretty much every day and you you still got stuff to dive into and learn more about. So I know I'm excited uh, for that for sure. And we will also be talking about your podcast that you host later because this is uh, twice today by sheer coincidence. I had two people that host podcasts come on as guests. So these are just admittedly the easiest interviews ever um, because they do it. (laughs) You know, I'm talking to a guest that actually gets this and um, I love listening to you guys. So I think this will be fun. Let us start off with the same question that we always do on this podcast. And that is, when did your health challenges start and what the heck did they look like? Oh, my goodness. Okay, so I was, let me tell you, I was a very healthy person until... June of 2018, and I'm going to give my age away a little bit, but I I was tw- 29 at the time, and I um I can I be can I be a smidge graphic? I woke up one morning and I couldn't go to the bathroom anymore, and so um, 
that's a problem when you're used to being able to go to the bathroom every day. I went 17 days without being able to go to the bathroom. Now you're talking like, I thought I had a small bowel obstruction. I thought I went to the emergency room and I had never been to the emergency room before. Um, fun side note, the emergency room, they don't do anything for that. <laughs> they take an x-ray and make sure you don't have a small bowel obstruction. And then they write you a prescription for an enema that you are to go to a pharmacy and pick up. So they, there's no relief um, in that setting, which was unfortunate for me. Um, long story short, I did, uh, I explored the traditional medicine route. Um, I went to multiple gastroenterologists. I went to different, all different kinds of specialists because I didn't know what was wrong. And I just know that I was able to, I was a fully functioning human being one day and then the next day I wasn't. Because um, it turns out like you really do need to be able to go to the bathroom every day. That's like a big quality of life issue. Um, I did colonoscopies, endoscopies, all the things. They all turned out normal. Okay, so what was the problem then? Um, I'll, spoiler alert, I was exposed to black mold and I didn't know it. And so I finally found a doctor who was IFM certified. And for those of you who are listening that don't know what that is, it's um, Institute of Functional Medicine. So if anyone's familiar with Dr. Mark Hyman, I think he is the chairman of the board there. Um, I started looking for doctors with those types of certifications because I wanted, um, I, I didn't feel like I was being listened to or heard. And that's another hard thing. If you were to look at me, I look like a pretty healthy person. Um, so when I say I don't feel good, it's like, well, okay, sorry, you look fine. Your labs are fine. Well, that sucks because I don't feel fine. So are we treating the labs? Are we treating me? I don't know. Anyways, I went to this functional medicine doctor and she said, she looked at me, I, I live in Nashville, Tennessee, and she goes, have you been tested for mold? And I said, no, I breathe just fine. I don't have any respiratory issues. Silly me, I didn't know that mold could colonize in your gut. And she was like, well, let's talk about where fungus can live. It can live just about anywhere in your body. So wake up call, Steph. I got tested for mold and I, I tested positive for like eight different kinds of mold, like off the charts, like, uh, which is really common for where I live uh, to have mold exposure. It's, it's pretty moist here and it's warm for a lot of the year. So I had mold and, um, and I don't, I don't tell this story to bash on traditional medicine. I think there's a time and a place for everything. And certainly if I get hit by a bus, I will go to the hospital. Um, but they didn't get um, the chronic illness, right? They didn't master that. And uh, I, I don't fault them. I don't know a code that they could have used to test me for mold. Um, so I really am, am thankful that I, I, I found this physician um, and, and got those answers. I knew I was on to something. I knew that I had an issue with my thyroid. Um, my personal belief is the thyroid is the canary in the coal mine. Um, and I, I share this story sometimes that I went, I went to my PCP on three occasions over a, the span of eight months, begging her to measure my thyroid. And each time she only measured TSH, which is your thyroid stimulating hormone. It's not produced in your thyroid. And T4, which is your resting thyroid hormone. Both of those things, while they're nice to know, 
being, I think I established I was a 29 year old female at the time. If I was going to have a thyroid issue, most likely, I think 95% of cases, don't, don't quote me on that. It's, it's something up there between 90 and 95 are a result of an autoimmune Hashimoto's hypothyroiditis um, and was not tested for antibodies for that. Um, so that was something that led me towards FDN because I finally was like, can I just measure my own dang labs? Because y'all can't, <laughs> can't get it right. So um, just when you're exposed to mold, I think what, I, uh, what my roundabout way of saying is um, when you're exposed to mold, I mean, you, can, you experience a, a cornucopia of symptoms. It's not just one thing. And, and when you have something that doesn't go address, I didn't give you a timeline, but it took about a year and a half of suffering before I was able to find a functional medicine doctor to help me understand what was actually happening. Um, more things start to go wrong. And so uh, just living through those symptoms, which I'm, I'm grateful for now because I feel like it makes me a more compassionate practitioner, um, but certainly um, if, health if health issues go unaddressed, mold especially, if you don't treat the mold, the underlying root cause, mold's just going to colonize and get worse. So you can take all the Miralax in the world. You can take all of the prescription, name your favorite prescription medication for, for um, IBS, and it's not going to take away the mold. And so that was the tough lesson that I had to learn. Got Sorry, it. You're an intriguing storyteller. I'm like into this. I'm like, girl. <laughs> I hate, I no, am, no, I'm that's like good. talking too I love much. When people, um, I love when people give more in-depth answers for the first question, especially because it just gives me a lot to work with and branch out from for the rest of the podcast. So I think the mold thing is something I, I want to hit on a, uh, right away. And certainly the thing that you said with thyroid, I it is unbelievable how many times that exact story has come up where it's only TSH run, you know oh, that looks normal, or maybe it doesn't, and the autoimmune aspects never addressed, because I've heard that exact same thing between like 90 and 95% of cases are autoimmune. So that's pretty high odds, and certainly not that many people are actually being tested for autoimmunity. So just to clarify the mold thing a little more, because I know you said it's common in your area, and it's actually something that is at least possible in damn near every area. I think one of the common misconceptions that I'm hearing from like the mainstream lately is, oh, my house is clean, so it can't be moldy. Can you explain like how mold actually grows and that even the cleanest house can absolutely have mold? <laughs> oh, I'm so glad you brought this up because let me tell you, <clears throat> I was living in a brand new apartment building when this happened and I was the first tenant in this apartment. It was brand spanking new. So I told my doctor, I was like, yeah, I, re I really don't think this is possible because where I live is brand new. And then I learned about how mold is sometimes more common in new construction. And this is a concept, I can't take credit for this. Michael Rubino, who is the mold medic, and he wrote the book, The Mold Medic, highly recommend checking him Good. out. He explained to me how and like just our, our, our building practices and standards today are different than they were 30 years ago, 40 years ago. And the materials that they use are cheaper and, and they're more okay. porous and mold can grow in them a lot faster and easier. And 
you also mentioned about visibility. So the only mold you're, you're really you're really going to see and notice and, and be afraid of is black mold. Black mold is visible. It's black. Um, but there are so many different other kinds of molds that are not visible, that are just floating in the air. And so that's why doing a really good mold test is important because they're not all, they're not all visible. Um, and even black mold, you can, you can have black mold floating in the air um, and maybe not see that it's growing behind, you know, in between your walls or something. You can still have that happen too. So lots, sure. lots of things at play here. Really good question. I, I appreciate you explaining that because again, well, and it's something that I'm hearing so much. Like, how can mold even be a thing? Like, I have a clean home. I'm like, guys, like, first of all, it's insulting because it's like, you really think all these people, I mean, there's millions of people with this problem. Like, they're not just dirty people or something. Um, and I, I did not know that about the new construction. I'm not surprised, but I mean, that is the complete counterintuitive thought to what most people are suggesting. You know, like, it's like, no, the cleanest of the places can actually still have issues with this. Um, so I have one question that, I always like to ask in these podcasts and that's, you know, at one point you described it well, Hey, you're not getting the results that you want. Western medicine is not serving you so well at the time. And so eventually, you know, you're using IFM and stuff, but I am, I, I mean, I'm curious, like how do you actually break that, uh, break, break away from that path? I mean, it's so hard to just go away from what everyone else is saying to do. And there's plenty of people that would be in your position and just suffer for three or four decades, never thinking to take another route. So did you have some type of like parental or family influence or did you just say enough's enough? Hmm. I really like your questions. Um, <clears throat> I guess a little, a little more history. Um, I worked as an occupational therapist in a hospital for several years. And I would see, and I hate that we use this terminology, but we would call them our frequent flyers, right? The people that would come into the hospital for, you know, oh, Mr. Jones is back again. And I would always think like, we put the blame on him. Oh, he didn't take his medication. No, he didn't follow X, Y, and Z. And I, and I would always think, oh no, we didn't fix him. We didn't, we didn't do our job and that's why he's back. And I think that that mentality stuck with me. And also, I think so many people give up. They just, they just get used to feeling like crap. And I just wasn't, I wasn't going to settle for that. I know what it feels like to feel amazing. And like, part of me, and maybe this is a selfish, I don't know. I felt like I deserve to feel amazing. I know what it feels like to feel amazing. And I'm not going to settle for feeling like crap. I'm not going to do it. Um, and, and I did, I'll tell you, Evan, like I was known as the binder girl when I would go to the doctor's offices because I would bring every lab I've ever done. I was the girl that called and said, yes, I need a copy of my colonoscopy, please. I need a copy of, of this lab because each doctor doesn't talk to the other doctor. So you have to be that you're the only constant in your own health care, which is sad. And so I, like, right. I've literally had a doctor yeah. say, oh yeah, you're the one with the binder. Okay. And I'm like, yes, I'm proudly the girl with the binder because that's what it takes to advocate for yourself. <laughs> I don't um, do nearly as much client work nowadays. I mean, I just, I'll do it if it's you know, someone close or a friend type of thing or a referral. Um, but it's not like I'm advertising it by any means, but I had an individual who 
I've never seen someone like her, but it was the same kind of thing. Um, she was 26 and you, know, she had everything from when this stuff started at like 12 or 13 years old. And it's both sad, but also like incredibly impressive and talk about a health history. You know, I was just able to go back and like look for patterns. Cause that's what we're trained to do as FDNs, you know, is actually look at the clues and when are things starting. And we just were able to make interesting connections that not other people had seen. So I'm sure that information was uh, useful eventually. Now, how did this these occupational therapist at least you're in the healthcare field it's not like you're coming out of <clears throat> like accounting or something but i am curious what eventually led you to wanting to become an fdn did you picture this being a career change at the time or just self-study to figure out your own health yeah I'm trying to think of how to answer that and be politically correct at the same time <laughs> I felt like I wasn't servicing people to the best of my ability when I was working in the hospital. So to give you just a, a vivid example, um, every time somebody had their gallbladder removed, they would immediately get ordered PT and OT, right? So you had laparoscopic colectomy. It's really important that you you know how to, uh, like I would, I would be the first person to shower with them after they had their surgery, make sure they know how to do their incision care and whatnot. And then I would start to ask them, so did, did your doctor talk to you about how you're going to digest fats now? Well, what do you mean? Well, you just had your gallbladder removed. I mean, that's, that plays a big role in how you digest fats. Did, did anybody talk to you about digestive enzymes or anything? And in, it was just deer in the headlights. And I thought, I could be helping people so much more. Like, and, and part of the problem is insurance. Like, Insurance dictates a lot of what you do as a therapist. And so... You know, I would be doing light weightlifting with with patients in their in their rooms, or uh, and, and not all things were were you know for not like learning how to um, put on pants after a hip surgery is pretty important, I think. Um, but I wasn't I wasn't serving people to the best of, of my ability, and so um, I honestly didn't know something like FDN existed, but I knew that that's what I wanted to do, and so I. Um, I was pursuing a lot of different other kinds of programs, but I was looking for FDN and I didn't, I just, oh, it was so serendipitous how it happened um, because everything that I wanted to learn about was what FDN offered. And I'm just ugh, beyond grateful that this program exists because I awesome. feel like I'm now equipped with the knowledge that I need to be, I'm, I'm finally in alignment with that thing I'm supposed to do. And that's like the greatest gift on planet earth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, I always say I kind of I feel that way with FDN because I was talking to Jen Maleka, who anyone in FDN is going to know who she is. And I, I didn't know who she was, though, at the time. Like this was my first person I've ever met from FDN. I'm just talking to her after um, a talk in San Diego. And you know, I'm on the phone and I'm laughing because I now because I get why she was laughing. I'm like, I am just looking for something with more objective data. Like, I feel like I'm just playing a guessing game and I need a more clear path. And she just kind of chuckled because that's FDM. You know, yeah. like that's exactly <laughs> what it is. It's like, all right, let's use this objective data to actually make a customized path for you. And um, yeah, I, I felt the exact same way when I found out about this. It, it, it's special. 
And we need to get this out there to as many people as possible. And it starts with podcasts like this, that's for sure. So when you were going through the course, what were some of the things that you were finding on the labs? Because for those that don't know, any FDN is required to run labs on themselves so we can kind of walk the walk. Uh, was there anything like really surprising on there or just you never had even thought about that aspect before of health? Yeah, well, um, actually, so one thing that I found in the lab was something that my, and I, this is not, I'm not complaining. I love my doctor, um, my IFM certified doctor, but there was something that she missed. And, and that's kind of my, um, my, maybe my trepidation about functional medicine is that sometimes it can be too laser focused on one thing. We were so focused on mold that we didn't see, we missed out on some other healing opportunities. And, and I wasn't getting better like I thought I should. And the GI map test in particular revealed I had H. pylori. And why that's important is because I was taking six tablets of betaine HCL before each meal because what was my problem? I couldn't go to the bathroom. <laughs> and so if for anyone that's listening, betaine HCL is highly contraindicated if you have H. pylori. And I was taking just absurd amounts of it. Um, and so that I'm very thankful for that test because um, just simply removing that from my regimen made me feel better. I don't, did that answer your question? So interesting because it absolutely did. I was just I kind of, I always find this stuff strange in my head because these types of things come up frequently. I don't think I've had one person in 40 some episodes talk about, like we've talked about the idea of not supplementing with betaine hydrochloride with H. pylori, but we never talked about actually having experienced it. And the last interview, which was done like three hours ago, not only was she also a podcast host, but she also did the exact same thing. I just, I don't know. I find that stuff weird and interesting and cool. Um, totally separate though. <laughs> So what was your protocol for getting rid of that? Did you like do a Matula T thing, Matula T and Masticum? And um, did you ever like retest to see if it was out or did you kind of just go by how you felt? Yeah. So um, what did, what did I do? I, I did the, uh, I did biocidin for biofilm um, okay. buster and um, oh my goodness, it just broad spectrum herbal. And then after a couple of weeks of doing that, sure. I paired that with um, with some sort of um, charcoal or some sort of binder. It was, I think, it was GI detox. Don't quote me on it. Um, and then it introduced Pylori X. But I, I'll tell you, like, I automatically felt better the minute I stopped taking betaine HCL. Like, I felt, I felt better, and wow. I wasn't super high on H Pylori, so I almost wonder if I just created my own problem there. Because when I, when I, so like when you're in the program, you get to consult with, with an FDN to go over your results. And she was like, well, you can decide to treat this or you can decide not to, because I, I wasn't really that high. Um, but I could, I can tell you, I probably would have gotten high had I not done the test and, and figured out that I was contributing right. to my chronic illness. <laughs> so, um. Yeah, yeah, I would say the biggest the biggest thing was just removing that. I was taking t too much of it. Yeah, six capsules a lot. <laughs> it was a lot, and even my doctor was um, like, "Really? Okay. You could tolerate that?" Yeah. Yeah, 
I'm sorry, guys, for those listening afterwards. We got a major delay, and we're like trying to. We really are actually doing quite well, I think. But um, I keep getting your words so much later, so I apologize if I accidentally sorry. cut you off or anything. Um, I know that one of the things that you ended up focusing in on was not only just the black mold, but environmental toxins as a whole. What interested you in that? Because, I mean, plenty of people focus on it. Sure, they can talk about glyphosate and those types of pesticides, but it is rarer that I hear someone make that a main focus. So how'd you get into that? Um, I, I, I became obsessed. I Sometimes, you know how... And maybe it's the personal connection because I had mold. I was like, I need to look at all things toxic. <laughs> so um, okay. I have an EBSCOhost subscription and I just research. Um, I focus on, on three areas. I focus on um, toxins in our environment, toxins in our, our food system, and toxins in our self-care products. Because all of those things are poorly regulated in the United States. Um, so that's the main focus of, um, and I, and I offer programs actually that help educate people about these things and then also educate them on oh, nice. healthier alternatives. I think people have this misconception that, oh, if I'm going to eat healthy, it's going to be super expensive or, oh, if I'm going to buy non-toxic furniture, it's going to be super expensive. That's not the case. You can get things at a, at a reasonable price and still live a healthier, cleaner life. Yeah. Yeah. And it helps to, um, I found at least like if I am talking or working with someone like locally, like I know like the little tricks of the area, go to this store because you'll get the same meat and pay half the price type of thing. So there, there absolutely are increasingly so ways to do this very affordably. Um, I've seen even just in the last seven years, such a um, a different, like it's a difference in the discrepancy. I mean, it used to be, hey, there really was like, <clears throat> excuse me, a dollar menu at the fast food uh, joint, you know, and then like the organic meat's super expensive. It's like, no, the dollar menu's like fading out. Everything's expensive now. So you might as well get the good stuff. Now, I want to dive in a little more with the environmental toxins thing. And I guess like, maybe can we talk about the top three that you're seeing, like what they are, where people can look out for them for, um, yeah, I'd love to just, I'd love to hear about this because I feel like I have so much to learn too. Hmm. Okay. Top. Do you, okay. Clarifying question. Do you yes. want top three in each category? Top three overall? <laughs> I'm sure we could do a whole podcast like separate just on this, I'm guessing. Um, so I will go with top three overall that you are just the most abundant, let's say, you in your opinion. Um, well, I, I mean, you hit the nail on the head when you mentioned the word glyphosate because I personally think I, I just keep reading more and more about, about glyphosate. And it's glyphosate has a really interesting history, and you can you can look. There is data you can compare chronic illness to the introduction of glyphosate. You can compare chronic illness to the introduction of GMOs, which um, GMOs were like what 1996, and, and glyphosate was 1971. Don't quote me on these dates. I'm, <laughs> I don't have my fact sheet with me. Um, but, uh, glyphosate, so glyphosate is, um, a pesticide herbicide. Um, interestingly enough, um, 
Bayer, the pharmaceutical, the German pharmaceutical company bought Monsanto, right? So Bayer owns the rights to glyphosate now. Um, since buying Monsanto, both Germany- Which you think would be a red flag. Well, <laughs> yes. Um, since, since Bayer has bought glyphosate or bought Monsanto, um, they have banned the use of glyphosate in Germany and Austria. However, we still use it in the, they still sell it to us in the United States, which is just, oh, just drives me crazy, Evan. Drives me crazy. Um, so glyphosate yep. is in my top. Um, one that I really don't like in, in self-care products that I, that I look for quite often is something called polyethylene glycol, PEG. Um, and what that, oh, go ahead. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I was just like, I, I was actually kind of speaking to myself. I was like, okay, like, I don't even think I've ever heard of that. <laughs> oh, okay. Sorry. It's, y'all, it's really hard with this lag thing because I can see you moving like a couple seconds after <laughs> the fact. Um, so polyethylene glycol in and of itself is not the most dangerous thing. Um, however, it binds to a lot of carcinogens. And what polyethylene glycol does is it will allow, like it's in a lot of lotions and, and like um, it'll help things absorb into your skin better. So it'll help absorb toxins into your skin better. Polyethylene glycol wow. um, has a relationship to things like antifreeze. It has a relationship to um, plastic. It, it's, it's a really weird substance. It's in, it's speaking of Miralax, it's in Miralax. So when you, if you were to consume that, you will be eating or drinking polyethylene glycol. Um, so that's one that's, and there are, there are several forms. So I'm not doing it justice right now because there are, there are several numbers that are associated with PEG. Uh, but just, just know like all of them are bad. All of them are not good. So if you're reading a label of soap, just, <laughs> Try to stay away from that. Um, and then, like, I, I think I just, I feel like in answering this question, like, I feel the most common ones are probably ones people know about. So I tried to think of something off the beaten path. But I also have to go with, like, if I'm going with my, like, top priorities, BPA is up there, too. BPA... Bisphenol A is um, a plastic hardener. Um, what's really, really sad right now is um, if you ever see something advertised in, in the you know supermarket as being BPA free, that really just means they replaced it with BPS, um, which is actually more toxic than BPA. It's just not commercialized. So yes, your your Nalgene is now BPA free, mm -hmm. but your drink your your exposing yourself to something far more sinister. So uh, my recommendation is just to stay away from plastic in general, if you can. Wow. And I'm actually, I'm so, so lucky. We live in an area where um, there is a 
local but large enough spring water company and he actually goes and fills directly from the spring with glass half gallon containers and you can buy crates of them like crates of six at the health food store and i mean that's hard though that's lucky not everyone has that type of thing but yeah you're absolutely right you can tell there's a difference and i'll actually i trust his company because he's good with all types of He's got about the best plastic you can get. I'll put it that way. Now it's still plastic, right? Uh, but I'll trust his brand in like the winter. I might just buy the gallons because the glass is really expensive. I can't deny it. But in the summer, I don't mess with that. Like I don't want a plastic container in my car while I'm biking or something. I love having the glass. And of course, if you left this in heat long enough, it could cause a problem. But, you know, 30 minutes of biking. No, you don't want your plastic bottle in there, but a glass bottle is just going to warm the water a little bit. I'm not too concerned about that. So um, I think this is cool. And you said you have what, some type of program to teach the consumer practitioners or both about these environmental toxins? Yeah, I, I actually, I have two programs. Um, the first, the first program I have is, is a um, 10 day liver detox. And the reason that I, I created this program was because I was noticing an uptick in non-alcoholic fatty liver disease working in the hospital setting. And of course I had to dive into that, like why am I seeing so much non-alcoholic fatty liver disease? Um, and after doing some research, I learned that um, non-alcoholic fatty liver disease is going to be the leading cause of a liver transplant by 2028, which is not far away. Um, and I, I was just seeing an absurd number of people with this and um, watching somebody die of um, like cirrhosis of the liver it, it's a really really painful death like it because your liver is what cleans your blood so you basically become toxic and you just, just really don't feel good um, everything hurts everything it, it's just it's a very miserable way to to try to function um, and i was seeing so much of it and so i i really started to deep dive into liver health and that's when I learned things like um, we are exposed to more toxins in a month than our grandparents were in their lifetime. So our livers are overburdened. Our livers take on a lot more than they were created to. And so that's one reason why I started this deep dive into learning about environmental toxins, because I want a healthy liver. I want to, to live a long, healthy life, and I don't want, I don't want to deal with non-alcoholic fatty liver disease. And so I have this program where I, I educate on liver health and, and why, why people should care about liver health, because I know it's not the sexiest organ. Um, but I kind of talk, talk people through why, why we need to care about toxins, what toxins are, how, what they do to our bodies. Um, and my 10-day 10 10 detox, like it's not some trendy juice cleanse. It's a whole foods diet. People are eating three meals a day. I'm like, really not for, I'm not about the juice cleanses. Um, so I just need to put that stipulation out there. Um, <laughs> This is eating whole foods and, and strategic supplementation. Um, so that's my first program. And my second program is called the Low Tox Life. And that's strictly educational. We go over toxins found in our environment, our food, and our self-care products. And then um, I really try to hand the keys back to the consumer saying, you're the driver. Here are some things you can do about it. And I have a list of just really great resources for people so they can they can feel empowered um, to to make to be to be smart consumers and make better decisions. Um, I'm a firm believer in voting with your dollars because we don't have legislation that protects us.
Yes, yes, yes. Oh my goodness. I keep telling people that. Um, it is hard to be the first wave when you're the ones voting with your dollars first, you know, but if we could get everyone to just do it at the same time, like we would see some overnight change, my friends. I promise you that. Um, I would love to talk about, I think it's awesome that you have those programs, by the way. You've very unintentionally sold me on uh, the low tox lifestyle thing. I like that a lot. Um, I would love to hear now though some client testimonials and this can be really anything that you think is appropriate to bring up or you're just feeling called to bring up. Um, I'm just looking for the types of stories where this person comes to you, they maybe are at the end of their rope or have just been thrown through that cycle of trial and error we're always talking about. And then finally, they're able to get some guidance and results with an FDN. I'd, I'd love to hear a story like that. Um, the first one that comes to my mind actually is, um, and I, I, I'll tell you, Evan, I had no intention of working with children, none. Um, and I keep getting younger and younger clients, which in a way terrifies me because that means kids are sick and kids shouldn't be sick. Um, but I had, I had, it was actually a girlfriend of mine who her three-year-old was constipated. So she thought, oh, well, Steph knows something about this. I'll call her. <laughs> and she um, she brought her three-year-old to the emergency room because her three-year-old was, um, was like straining and, and could not go. And I mean, what do you do if you're a concerned parent? You, you bring your kid to the emergency room. And um, this is really sad. They, they put her on a clear liquid diet and what that basically meant was um, popsicles and apple juice. And what are what's in popsicles and apple juice? Sugar. It's loaded with it. Um, oh, and I didn't mention this this little three year old baby. She um, her belly was so distended. She she looked like a SIBO baby. She looked like a pregnant baby. Um, it was it it looked just so uncomfortable. And um, so they followed the, and, and you know what? Props to my friend for thinking this, this just does not sound right. Um, but they followed the doctor's orders um, and they gave her just a crap load of Miralax. Um, and that's what they told her to do. And then her daughter got really bad diarrhea, like really bad, so bad that she couldn't go to school because nothing was staying in her system. And so they did a clear liquid diet for three days. And that's really hard for a three-year-old, by the way. Like, that's miserable for parents and children. And then as soon as they reintroduced solid foods, the, 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 the constipation came back. And so she called me just, like, at her wit's end. She's like, what do I do? Um, and so I, I worked with her. Um, we changed her diet around. She was eating a lot of dairy and a lot of things that can, can back you up. Um, she's an interesting case. She was a C-section baby, so her microbiome wasn't as healthy and strong as, as babies that are, are born vaginally, right? Because you swallow the microbiome on your way out. Um, and so she just was set up at a disadvantage. And um, we, did, um, we did a protocol, and homegirls go into the bathroom every day. So... Um, and she's not straining. She, she was at the point where she was afraid to go to the bathroom. And so they had to do this like um, kind of routine thing just to get her to go. It, it's just, yeah, just 
she, you could tell like she was traumatized by the experience. And I just, I hate that. And I hate that the advice that was given to her was load her up with clear liquids that are full of sugar. That'll help somebody who's got, you know, gut dysbiosis. No, it won't. Um, so that's probably, um, that's probably my, my biggest win that this little girl's quality of life is back. I love stories like that because, you know, it's powerful when it's with kids. I empathize with that a lot, having or having dealt with most of my health issues throughout my childhood and teenage years. You know, my parents were trying, they're doing what they can, and no one is really giving good answers. No one's connecting the sinus issues to the skin issues, to the mental health issues, to the stomach issues. It was all the root cause was just the modern lifestyle. Um, and certainly I always, I, I know I have um, even some genetic weaknesses with detoxification. And so I think one of the last things I'd like to touch on before we talk about um, your biz, where people can find you and our signature FDN Thrive podcast question is just simply, what are some maybe like basic steps that anyone can go home and try today? Now we under, with the understanding that, no, is this gonna remove every toxin ever? Probably not, but this is basic stuff that we can do to at least lower the burden a little bit on our bodies. Yes. Oh, I love this question, Evan. I'm going to tell you some things you can do that are free. So the first thing, my first suggestion is open your windows for 30 minutes a day. That is free. That'll let clean air in and get dirt. Like that'll, you, ventilation is key. So um, just the act of opening your windows. Um, another free tip that will really reduce your your exposure to toxins is taking your shoes off when you get inside um, you track a lot of toxins on your shoes and especially if you have carpet uh, like you can track in mold there there is such thing as outdoor mold and indoor mold you can bring outdoor mold in trap it in your carpet and then it, it can actually get stuck there to the point where a good shampoo is not going to remove it um, so taking your shoes off and then my, my last tip, you know, if you're like, I don't know how to tell which lotion is safe or clean, or I don't, especially since a lot of companies do um, what, what we call greenwashing. I think Aveeno is a really good example of this. So Aveeno has like the natural colors, like the green and the creams and the floral design. Aveeno is pure crap. Like it's awful for you. Um, but they they greenwash you into thinking that it's a, it's a healthy product, right? So you can't go based off of the marketing is what I'm saying. So I like to use, there are two different apps that are free that I highly recommend. One is called Think Dirty. And what you can do when you're in the grocery store is, is you can scan an item. Like you say you, you're like, oh, Mrs. Meyer's soap, that looks healthy, let me scan it. Um, you can scan it and it'll tell you on a scale from one to 10 how healthy it is. And it'll tell you every ingredient in there that's not healthy. So you can, you can say, oh, I'm specifically avoiding polyethylene glycol. Let's see if that's in there. And just a fun fact about Mrs. Myers, if I, if I may, um, I was at Whole Foods this weekend and they had their spring collection out and they had three scents that I had never seen before. It was rose mint and lilac and just just so you know that like not all not all things are created equal in the same brand so the rose was rated a three on think dirty which is pretty clean the lilac was rated an eight it's awful but both of them are mrs meyer's products so you you can't just scan one thing and think that oh everything mrs meyer's makes is safe 
because that's not the case. You really have to individually scan each item. So that would be that would be my third tip is to and to, to pay attention. Um, like, um, oh gosh, what's the company? Native people have probably heard of Native deodorant, right? That was historically a clean product um, until Procter and Gamble bought them out. And now they have dirty ingredients. So now native deodorant's no longer clean. So you also have to do your homework. And maybe you scanned native deodorant six months ago and it was clean. Well, honey, scan it again because it might not be clean anymore. So that's that's my advice there is to continually to do your research and, and, and look for um, clean products because just because something's clean once or just because a company has one clean product doesn't mean that they're all clean. Wow, I, that was I'm genuinely that might have been the most useful practical tip we've received on the show so far. I have never heard of that. Um, there's multiple things you've said today that I haven't even heard of. That's pretty rare. So I love that. I appreciate that very much. I'm sure this is going to help the audience a ton. I know uh, we will have the app in the show notes, of course, folks, but I'm definitely downloading that. I'm going to tell my girlfriend about it afterwards. She'll be all over that. <laughs> so we'll be scanning everything in the stores now. Um, okay, so what? The second to last question here is, who is your ideal client um, and where can they find your business? And the reason I ask who your ideal client is because not everyone might even realize that they have toxin problems or mold problems. So like, who do you specifically like to work with? I like to work with the person that's been to seven doctors and have been not taken seriously. Because I, I, I didn't feel validated in my concerns and I want to be that person to validate yours. That's who I want to work with. That's awesome. Where can they find you then? Oh, sorry. Um, my my company is called The Holistic House. So I think okay. I'm the first thing that you um, would find if you go to, I, it's theholistichouse.org, but you can also just Google search The Holistic House and I should be there. Okay, cool. And that's on, that's on me. I have this habit of saying how many questions I'm going to ask, then in one question, actually asking a two-part thing and then <laughs> expecting people to not be confused. So you're all good. Sorry. <laughs> um, my final question for you, and my actual final one, is the signature question we ask on the FDN Thrive podcast, and that is this. If Stephanie had a magic wand and you could get every single person on this earth to do one thing or stop doing one thing for their health, what's that one thing you'd get them to do? Never stop advocating for yourself. That's the one thing. If, if a doctor's not listening to you, go find another doctor. They're not your doctor. I think that so many of us, and I'm, I'm guilty too, of being told, oh, it's it's normal to have migraines, or oh, it, it's it's normal to have bloating, or it's no, it's not, and don't let anybody tell you 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 know your body better than any doctor ever will. So never stop advocating for yourself. Oh man, I absolutely love that answer to finish off this podcast. It is not necessarily something that I wish was true, but the fact of the matter is with what we're currently dealing with, we need people to advocate for themselves. And this podcast in part is to help build that confidence up in others because a universal theme on this podcast with the stories that you hear is that these people had to have the courage to go away from that beaten path. They had to do something different and talk to people who are actually going to listen to them and understand where they're coming from. 
And that's one of the things we always try to do at FDN Thrive when we're working with people. You're working with someone who has actually been through the ringer with their own health issues. We don't dismiss things or say, I just talked about this in the last podcast with Sally Aponte, where they were saying to her more or less, like, the more she dealt with this stuff or the longer she dealt with this stuff, they were saying to her, oh, well, you know, maybe it's in your head. or Maybe it's just stress. You know, they didn't think that this was a chronic issue because they couldn't figure it out. That's unacceptable. That's not what we do here. So I'll comment down. I want to end on a positive note for this show, right? <laughs> and it is a positive note. It's all positive, but we got to be serious sometimes because these are serious matters. To me, when I'm listening to these stories and sharing them uh, with FDN, what we're thinking is about the health issues that people are actually going through and how it's affecting their lives and their family members' lives. These are more than just stories. These are real things that happen to people. And sometimes the health issues that they've dealt with, they've affected a fraction of their life. How many people do we talk to on here? If you're a regular listener, you already know. How many people do we talk to on here that have been dealing with things for a decade or more, sometimes even two or three decades? Well, you only have so many decades in your life, right? So yes, sometimes it's hard. Yes, sometimes it's a little scary. Sometimes it costs money, but we gotta go away from that beaten path if it's not working for us and we gotta be our own advocates. Now, there are many wonderful people out there that offer that. There's no doubt about it. But if you don't know where to go or you like us and you want us to help you advocate for yourself, we're happy to do it. FDNthrive.com, click the Get Started Here button, and you'll end up on a phone call, probably with me at some point, (laughs) maybe someone else as well, and we will talk to you to see if this is the right program for you. Our guarantee is we will never leave you hanging. There will never, ever, ever be a phone call that occurs where we say to the person, oh, not only can we not help, but um, got nothing for you. Sorry, have a great day. That's unacceptable, too. That's another thing that's unacceptable. We will always at least get you going in the right direction or giving you a referral or giving you a book to read or something to try, something that you can do so that you do not feel like this is the end of your path. Makes sense to me, right? That's certainly what I needed. Well, I want to thank you guys so much for listening to yet another episode of the FDN Thrive Podcast. As always, I'm your host, Evan Transu, a.k.a. Health Coach Ev. And if you would be so kind as to leave this a five-star review on Apple Podcasts, we'd love you even more than we already do. I'm looking forward to talking to you again soon. I'll catch you then. Thanks so much. Thanks for tuning in to the FDN Thrive Podcast. If you feel like you've been stuck in the cycle of trial and error when it comes to your health issues, our team can help. Whether you've tried every different diet out there without lasting success, spent way too much money on supplements at your local health food store, or been told that your lab tests are normal despite feeling anything but normal, we have your back. Go to FDNthrive.com and click the Get Started Here button if you're ready to stop playing guessing games with your health. That's FDNthrive.com.